From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth for June 18th. I'm so glad you joined us for today's podcast. Every day that we draw breath is another chance to serve the living God. And what a privilege that is. What a time to trust him and seek him with our whole hearts so we can be busy and occupied with labors for the kingdom until he comes. My guest today is apologist Eric Barger. It's been a while since we've chatted with Eric. It's going to be great to catch up with him and his uh, ministry today. Today's scripture is in Romans 12, verses 9 to 13. This is one of my favorite passages. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Let's pray. Would you join me in prayer today? Lord, we delight in your instructions to us and how you equip us to be able to do those things that you ask of us. And we thank you for your great love and care for us, for your grace in so many ways, some that we don't even see or perceive. Help us to love one another from the heart and more and more each day. We lift up Eric to you and ask that you'd bless his ministry and his family, take care of them physically, uh, protect them, uh, give Eric wisdom to navigate these times and uh, more and more ministry opportunities and opportunities to uh, speak the truth. Thank you, Lord. We love you today. In your name, amen. As I said, I said June 18th. <laughs> it's July 18th. See, summer is going way too fast, and I'm acknowledging that unknowingly. It is July 18th. Wow. All right. Now, I guess today is Eric Barger of Take a Stand Ministries. Eric has been in ministry 40 years. I think we got saved the same year. Writing and speaking on a variety of issues facing Christians. That is ericbarger.com. Uh, the website is great. Uh, I know it's being revamped, but it's full of timeless and information uh, and informational resources, books, booklets, digital media articles. Eric has written about universalism, Chrislam, the emergent movement, the shack, prophecy, the New Age, the occult. Eric, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. You've seen an awful lot come and go in the church since the 80s, haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I certainly have. <laughs> That's an understatement, right? Um, there's, I think, a lot more to do, so I'm, yeah. I'm not done yet. That's yes, for sure. absolutely. That's a good way to, to put it. Um, are you working on any documentaries? Because I know that you are a filmmaker and, and an editor. You've been at that a long time, too. Are you working on any documentaries at the moment? Listen, I have had a documentary underway for about three years, and uh, with my my wife has had some pretty severe health issues, which we didn't see coming, and of course we didn't see COVID coming either. Mm. So between those two things, it's taken it's taken me away from that. But uh, I'm working on that, and that deals with um, technology in the end times, and and how the technology around us is being used and can, could be used against us, but also. Uh, what can we do in the process of it to to use it for good? And uh, I'm also uh, I I kind of got caught up in another project that I didn't really, didn't really mean to, but uh, 
I'm dealing with uh, entertainment and some of the um, uh, darker sides of things that don't look really dark. And I'm just going to leave it there because mm-hmm. we'll probably uh, be back on the air and talk about that in the future. But it does involve Disney, and I'll just say that. Okay. And uh, that's nearing completion and uh, worked on it uh, yesterday. I've worked on it every day recently. So uh, thankfully, I'm not traveling a whole lot. At one point, I was traveling 200 days a year. Wow. But um, I haven't been a Christian all my life. In other words, I didn't uh, suddenly at seven years of age decide, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and speak on Christian apologetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised in a home where um, uh, my grandparents sent me to church faithfully every Sunday morning, but nobody ever really explained to me in a way that I could understand what it meant to be a Christian. And uh, I did all the things that Christians' kids do in, in a church and went to uh, vacation Bible school and all that kind of stuff. You, you've probably been through the whole thing too, Mary. And <laughs> At any rate, I uh, did that and didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I started playing my first rock band at 11 years of age and went on to uh, great depths, <laughs> not heights, great depths after that. Um, ended up playing with people and recording people who uh, went on to win Grammy Awards. But um, myself, I didn't do it, and I wasn't in a million-selling rock band, but uh, did that professionally. And uh, long story short, my wife got saved because we were about ready to kill each other. Uh, we had gotten married way too quick. Uh, she came from a pseudo-Christian home as well, uh, where she went to, uh, to Sunday school as a child, uh, some hundreds of miles away from where I lived. But uh, at any rate, we were in Seattle, Washington, and picked a phone counselor out of the phone book at random, called him, and he was the man that actually led my wife to the Lord and really helped me once I, I came kicking and screaming into the kingdom. Uh, he helped me to, to realize what uh, what Christianity was all about and helped to disciple me. Oh. But the uh, best thing I ever did was become a Christian. Uh, I was a drug addict, an alcoholic, a New Ager before it was called New Age, did all of those things, and just so grateful that, uh, that God in his preeminence knew where it was going to end mm-hmm. and what I was going to do and what he was going to call me to do, and <clears throat> just grateful for that. Uh, even when I have to get up early, like this morning, a lot of people, this isn't early for them. Uh, it's seven Oh six here on the, on the uh, West coast. But mm-hmm. for me, a night owl, it works a lot at night and I work then because it's quiet and I can, I can think and I write and, and edit and so on. Video editing takes a lot of uh, patience and a lot of concentration. Mm-hmm. And so I do all that a lot of it at night, but, um, I'm just grateful to, uh, to be able to do it. And I'm glad to be on, on with you this morning. Wow, you know, I always hear, when I hear testimonies, I think, you know, none of us ever saw God coming, but we certainly have seen where he's been. We've seen his back, right? But we didn't see him coming. Mm-hmm. And yet, Boy, that, that's true. God is so good, and we can look at that testimony and how God used our lives to prepare us for uh, ministry to him. So, what a, yeah, you have such a great story, and I know people can see more of that on your website, ericbarger.com. Today we want to talk about... Um, Christians as extremists. You know, the whole fundamentalist word has actually been to to the unredeemed. It's been a bad word for a very long time. But at this point, Eric, we've gotten to a, a, a different level when it comes to painting Christians as a certain way. Even when President Trump was in, um, you know, racist Nazi, comparing him to Hitler, um, just as just as a politician that that the people seem to you know of the people, the people seem to like. Um, 
Christians' rights are under attack, you know, blaming, labeling, questioning ideology, calling us subversives. There's a specific story that you wanted, um, we want to look at today, and it's from uh, December. This happened in December in Australia. Australian police describe premillennialism as an extremist ideology connect, connecting belief to terrorism. And the story is about um, a family that... Um, Police came onto their property, right, and, and uh, they killed the police. They they were dead, too. They killed a bystander. You can probably tell this better, Eric. Let's just dive into this and tell us what happened and tell us um, tell us a little bit about that level-up situation where Christians are being seen as violent extremists. Well, it, uh, when I first saw that and I saw the headline, uh, I think that's what got to me. In fact, it was uh, sleepless nights for a couple of nights just thinking about uh, this had to be righted because this was a wrong. This was this was someone who was speaking without knowledge, and mm-hmm. uh, the the lady admitted it. She was a police um, uh, commissioner, and she admitted she didn't really know what premillennialism was. Uh, if you don't know what it is, folks, you better find out. You're you're either a premillennialist, a, a postmillennialist, an amillennialist. You're one of those three. That's um, uh, those are the three main positions. Premillennialism, by far, is the most accepted and uh, and uh, most uh, uh, drawn upon position. But these these things have to do with the end times, and anything that deals with, with uh, eschatology. My my antenna is going to be up when it's being downed like this and talked about in this way. Mm-hmm. Premillennialists are not extremists just because they're premillennialists, but that's the way uh, we were. Uh, Capsulated by this uh, by this uh, police official. So, uh, what happened was um, there was a couple and also a brother-in-law who had uh, gone to elaborate lengths to set up surveillance on the property that they lived in in the outback in Australia. And um, when the police came on the property, uh, this couple and and the brother-in-law decided they were going to kill him. And, uh, you know, that's not the, that's not the way premillennialists, that's not the way <laughs> Christians should operate. Mm-hmm. And we, we're never told in the scripture, uh, to go out and, and find someone and kill them. But there are, of course, different teachings out there. And people can take part of the truth of Christianity and teach it in an, in an adverse way, in a, in an aberrant way. And that's really what this was. It was, they'd received teaching and we, we have yet, at least I haven't, I haven't done any, any research about this recently, but there wasn't any indication of who these people were listening to or what teacher they were receiving from. The only thing that was said in the news conference about this was that they were receiving teaching from America. Now, that can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's re- remember that America gave us Harold Camping and Jim Jones. <laughs> so anybody can be called... Um, an extremist. Anybody can be called a Christian extremist. Uh, anybody could be called a premillennial extremist. But that was derived from the information they found on the computers of the people who were doing this, who who uh, perpetrated this, these murders. And um, so we don't advocate that, and that's not what premillennialism is all about. But as soon as as soon as this major position in eschatology is put into the light that that's the reason people did it because they're premillennial. Uh, that is the, what the reason they they uh, they murdered these policemen. 
somebody has to speak up about it. And I'm not the first one. Others have done it, too. But uh, I put together an entire message on this. I have yet to videotape it. But uh, we're going to video it and put all this together. And there are more articles than just that one that lead us to believe that the world around us is looking at us and doesn't like what they see. And so they can, uh, because they want to denigrate Christianity and discount us, um, and that is the, that's the general secular mindset, especially anybody who talks about the end times. Let's face it. If, uh, if I told you, well, I believe the world will end. I believe that, that Jesus is going to return and save us and, and he's going to then rule and there'll be an antichrist and the seven year tribulation. If I start talking about that to somebody that doesn't have any kind of basis or understanding, um, I, and you're not a Christian, and if I'm talking to you about it and you don't know about it, you're going to want to shut my mouth. You don't want to mm-hmm. hear about this. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's our job to tell people and tell them lovingly and tell them without being wild-eyed uh, what is happening around us and also to refute stories like this, and that's really uh, what got to me and the reason I believe this is an important thing for us to be aware of. Yes, absolutely. Um, for those listening who don't know what premillennialism is, Charles Ryrie defines it this way, the millennium is the period of a thousand years of the visible earthly reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, who after his return will fulfill during that period the promises contained in the Abrahamic, Davidic, and New Covenants to Israel. Now, there's dispensational premillennial, which I am, and then there's the historic. Historic, they do not distinguish between Israel and the church, and they think the church will endure the tribulation period. So just for those who who have not, who are not familiar, we never know, um, but drawing a link, I mean, between um, far-right and religious extremism with premillennial beliefs is just something that I did not see coming. Um, uh, this gal, let's see, what was her name? Um, the gal who talked about this, um, uh, she says... She was a, a police commissioner. Yes, um, she says, there was a belief that Christ will return to earth and provide peace and prosperity, but will be preceded by an era or period of time of tribulation, widespread destruction and suffering. And so she believes that these people are fulfilling that. Now, I did some backstory on these folks, and they were principals. Uh, the husband and wife were principals in the church. This is the Train family, Nathaniel and Stacy Train, and their right. son Gareth. And um, there's some very people were suspicious of them. They did some very strange things, <laughs> uh, and yet, and yet, they would not have expected this. No one ever sees these these, these things coming. But to assign a motive like that out of the blue. You know, if we don't have a motive for what they did, we're just going to make one up, right? I mean, that's the scary part, right? Well, they they looked at their computers, and and that was a word that kept coming up, and so they decided, well, this is a major point to these people, and so it must be the reason that they committed these murders of these of the policemen. Uh, I mean, this is totally Satan's work. It's mm-hmm. it's just how the devil would love to get us to think that anybody who talks about prophecy. Uh, or anything about eschatology, which is really the study of prophecy, uh, must be you know, nuts, and we shouldn't listen to them. And this is a way to discount uh, this teaching. But the truth is, we're going to have a seven-year period, a seven-year tribulation period. There will be a real live Antichrist. Uh, it's going to be a, a time that the world has never seen, nor ever will see again. We wouldn't want to see it, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe the church is gone when it happens, but I'm not here to argue about that point this morning. But uh, the the point is, uh, when when we are being pictured this way or portrayed this way, I believe it's incumbent on every one of us to be able to give an answer 
uh, mm-hmm. for what we believe. And that's, of course, First Peter 3.15. Be, re- be ready always to give an answer. An apologetic is what the actual Greek word is, apologia. Mm-hmm. And so we should give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And our hope is that Jesus is coming and that he's going to take us. Uh, I believe the, the rapture could happen any time. That's mm-hmm. my personal opinion mm-hmm. about what I see in the Scripture, and that's a widely accepted uh, opinion as well. But uh, we still have things to do here, and one of them is to be able to defend why we believe what we believe. And premillennialism, though it may sound like, if you've never heard about it or never discussed it, it may sound like it's really complicated, so when it's really not. Mary mm-hmm. did a great job of explaining it. Uh, that premillennialism itself is just one of the major positions of what takes place. Does he come before the tribulation? It's pre-tribulation, mid, or I'm sorry, after the tribulation, post-tribulation, or amillennialism? And amillennialism says, well, it's all spiritual, and there is mm-hmm. no tribulation, and there is no position to take on it. Right, and that would be some of the. Um Historically, Protestant denominations are amillennialists, right? They, and they don't teach prophecy, and they think... And then some say we're in the millennium now. Well, <clears throat> wow, I don't no. even want to think, <laughs> I don't even want to yeah. think about well, that. Something, something's wrong if we're in the millennium yes. now. There's yes. not to, it, it's, uh, first of all, uh, it's not nearly as violent as the Bible t- tells us it's going right. to be. We haven't seen the Antichrist. He hasn't uh, sat in the temple in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, there is no temple in Jerusalem yet. Yeah. And so uh, all these things are going to happen. I, I have no doubt about that. When is the question, and of course, when is the big question in all of eschatology? Right, right. And uh, I heard somebody say, if this is the millennium, then Satan's leash is way too long. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right? Well, we know he's got some room. Uh, mm-hmm. He has room right now, and uh, this is just a way to sidetrack people away from understanding what uh, what we're saying as prophecy teachers. And I presented this at a conference, this uh, message that I have not videotaped yet that we're talking mm-hmm. talking about and, and, and so on. And the, the name of it is, Are You an Extremist? And I, I began by asking people, if you're an extremist here today, would you please raise your hand? Of course, we had a good chuckle, and I thought, <laughs> well, that's good that we laughed there. That may be the last time that we have a good laugh because this is so serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is for us not to understand about eschatology. It is a failure on the behalf of the church in general, and some churches very particularly. Uh, lots of pastors won't talk about anything that has to do with prophecy or eschatology. Uh, they don't want to uh, uh, create a position and stand on it, and uh, they say it's too divisive. Well, but this is one of those things that uh, that we need to talk about, and we need to make this part of the, the teaching, the general teaching of the church. You know, the Bible is at least 27% prophecy, predictive prophecy. How can we just ignore that? Mm -hmm. So we should dig in. The Christian that's living during the end of the end times, where I believe we are, ought to understand what the end times are. And uh, it's a failure of pastors uh, for different reasons why they don't want to teach on it. Uh, my friend Tom Hughes did a great article, the Five Reasons Why Pastors Won't Teach on Prophecy, and this really dovetails to that. But uh, this is also a failure of Bible colleges. You can go all the way through a four-year Bible college, not two-year, four-year, and never, ever hear anything that deals with prophecy or eschatology or the rapture of the church or the second coming of Jesus Christ, which are two different things, by the way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people confuse those. And the church is simply not prepared. 
it's no wonder we want to run the other direction and only look at today and the here and now of today. And that's one of the failures of the church, too, that, that, that we, we seem to think that if we just meet their current uh, felt needs, that that's all it takes to, to uh, uh, please a flock or please your church or please the people that sit in the pews or, you know, be liked by them. You know, a lot of things that the Scripture teaches isn't going to make us popular ourselves, and that's not what we should be striving for. We should strive for accuracy of what the Word of God says from cover to cover. Right, and you hit the nail on the head, you know, about um, not just they don't want to teach. I don't know what they are teaching them in Bible colleges, but I remember looking up the rapture. I've been researching for many years, too, and, and there was always a lot of information on the Internet about it, and it was positive. And at some point, something switched where it became very negative and condescending, actually. Um, do some of them feel, do people feel, they say, well, I used to believe that. I used to be a pre-tribber, you know, pat you on the head a little bit, but now that I've been in the Lord a while, I know better because you won't be ready to suffer. Is it a fear of looking silly? Do these people feel that um, somehow they won't be taken seriously if they uh, admit to being a pre-tribber? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I, I don't think pastors want to make positions necessarily, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly not saying every pastor is not willing to do this. Uh, but I don't think I, I think really it's just like I don't want to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some things, if you're convicted by the scriptures about it, then you should go with your conviction. Mm-hmm. And especially, I mean, we're looking at the New Testament context of what the scripture says which oftentimes you go to the Old Testament to look at a history, et cetera, et cetera, that deals with a topic that you're going to deal with in New Testament times. But uh, there comes a time where everybody has to decide. We have to uh, be willing to step out and make decisions and, and make statements and preach our conscience. Mm-hmm. And um, my, my conscience says, get the people ready, prepare people. Uh, if the Bible is, as I said earlier, at least 27% predictive prophecy, once again, how can I, as someone who has an ordination to preach the Word of God, how can I just say that doesn't matter, or I'm going to ignore it for my own safety's sake, or I'm going to ignore it because I have one elder on my elder board that doesn't like it and want, <laughs> doesn't want me to talk about it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to work through these things and be able to discuss these issues one with another, but... It really does start with the way we're training people, too. And the church, like I said, is not prepared. And as you begin to allude to, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 12, we ought to write that down and read it. Second Peter 3, verses 3 through 12. The mockers who are mocking, saying, where is his coming? We don't see his coming, are all around us today. If we step out and talk about this, people are certainly w- willing and ready to mock anybody who mm-hmm. makes... A statement about Jesus is coming soon, and the rapture can take place at any time, and there'll be a a a three-and-a-half-year time. It's called the Great Tribulation, the second half of the Tribulation period. As soon as you begin to talk about these things, because people really don't want to hear these things, they're they're somewhat negative, they think. I I think Jesus' coming is very positive. Mm -hmm. I think the rapture is, is extremely positive. But a lot of people would just rather shoot you down, and they begin, they begin to to fulfill Second Peter chapter three verses three through twelve, which is so yeah. so sad. You know, Hal Lindsey had a great piece the other day. Um, he talks about those verses, and it says, 
actually says, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, the promise, God, you promised, and they're calling into question God's very nature to keep his promises. I thought that was very, very interesting. So they're scoffing at God and who he is and what he has said. And I also want to encourage people to study the rapture positions for yourself. I decided to take that on back in the late 80s. I was going to make a complete study of it so that I knew that I knew that I knew that for myself, um, because even if you don't have a church or you don't have a good church, you can still study these passages, uh, take it upon yourself. Because the first time I read, you know, where Abraham is, is uh, um, kibitzing with God about, far be it from you, Lord, to judge the righteous with the unrighteous. And I went, oh, okay, so here's God's character. Here's God's nature way back there. And I can take this and I can follow that thread through the entire scripture. And I will know that we are not appointed to wrath. And I think people just need to understand who God is and his promises. And then they'll understand why there has to be a pre-tribulation pre-tribulational rapture, right? Yeah, 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 he's, uh, God always has rescue in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is He is looking for how he can help us out of our situations, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, again, if, if we're called extremists just because we believe that the rapture is imminent because the Antichrist is coming, the seven-year tribulation is for sure, Armageddon will happen, all those things, if that if that's what makes us an extremist, there's an awful lot of other things they could say we're extreme about. Yes. But when this particular police captain or or official um, aimed at premillennialism, I thought you know there's got to be a defense for this, and mm-hmm. it will help us to defend what we believe in other ways too. Yes. Uh, and that's that's important. Just because somebody says we're an extremist doesn't make us an extremist. Uh, where are the facts? That's the point. Where are where are the facts about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us, most of those who are listening right now, they have some sort of position on on the rapture of the church. If they just came across the radio dial and suddenly they they heard us and didn't know who you were or I am or what uh, stand for the truth is all about, then they wouldn't. Uh, they they may not have a basis to really understand why we're talking about this. But anytime we can alert the church. Uh, about what is being said about us and how we can best operate in the world that we live in today. We we live in changing times. That's mm-hmm. obvious to all of us. Mm-hmm. But I've been saying for probably 20 or more years that we need to get used to, we need to have a little thicker skin about, we need to get used to people calling us cultists <laughs> because that's what's going to happen by the time it's all done. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a, an excellent article about uh, by Stephen Coxhead. He's a researcher, research assistant at Sydney Bible College. He says, should premillennialism be considered a Christian extremist ideology? And he has this interesting insight. He says, well, I myself do not hold this particular belief, and it represents historically a minority position within Christian theological traditions. That may be true in Australia. But, uh, well, maybe it's becoming more true in America, but I th- I think that the premillennial view is probably more so here than there. So this caught them off guard. It, I get the impression that people were going, uh, what? Because uh, um, a sociologist there said that the link, the link could be that premillennialists who have become radicalized, wow, consider those deemed, deemed evil as legitimate targets for extreme violence and terror. Uh, and he says it's important for law enforcement not to lose sight of this nuance. If premillennialism is itself an extreme ideology, as the police have suggested, 
The implication is that thousands of church-going Australians who happen to hold these views must now be considered all extremists, all potential cop killers, right? There's the danger. You just lump everybody together, yeah. and, and now you've got a case against an awful lot of people, right? Yep, and that's that's really what got underneath my skin when I first read about this. And mm-hmm. I read about it in Harbinger Daily, which is a okay. great resource, and mm-hmm. I would encourage people to, to read that. It's one of the several places I read each week. But, you know, uh, normal Christianity, uh, wh- what normal Christianity is, is now being called radical, extreme, etc. Mm-hmm. That is the, the point to this. This is, this is just the tip of the spear, one thing mm-hmm. out of so many others that we could draw together. In the message, when I'm speaking on this, I'm, I use several different examples of this. Barna had a huge article about this kind of thing, about what extremist was. And, uh, you know, one of the things that people who participated in the, in the, uh, in the survey said that uh, if you protest in public or regularly donate money to a faith community or wait until marriage to engage in sexual activity, you're extremist. Oh, sure. So that, that'll give you an idea how some people would use the word extreme. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We are talking about some very heavy but much needed uh, topics this morning with Eric Barger. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. Uh, remember to visit StandUpForTheTruth.com and sign up for our weekly podcast digest via your email inbox. At the top menu bar, click subscribe, enter your first name and email address. Feedback is also encouraged at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. We'd love to hear from you about anything we're talking about. Again, we're talking about Christians being labeled as extremists. And uh, we're going to come back shortly with Eric Barger. We're going to talk about some other, maybe some things around the world, others, some other definitions that uh, we need to talk about. So um, we'll be back in two minutes. Um, thank you for joining us today. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com We're back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Eric Barger today, and we're talking about the different ways that Christians are being labeled a certain way. There's sort of a ramping up that's going on here of Christians uh, being labeled a certain way uh, regarding what they believe. And Eric and I were talking uh, briefly during the break about even, it's getting to the point where even just a basic belief in uh, Scripture, because if you're super far left, then anything else looks really far right, right? And so even the most basic biblical belief of what is gender, that sort of thing, is going to be suspect. Um, Eric, can you talk about that a little bit, how how we got this far gone and what we can expect next? Well, sometimes we applauded and cheered for the things that got us where we are, mm-hmm. uh, only in the fact that people began to speak uh, what we believe, what we think, and and begin to comment on um, the times around us and what are happening in many different uh, many different areas, and so I think that may be part of it. But uh, that in itself, again, does not lose the ball and make us extremists. Mm-hmm. Because if we move that ball that far, that we're now we're all extremists. Extremism is really in the eye of the beholder, or the maybe the the words of the speaker, one of the mm-hmm. two. But it's really it's really about what people think. And today we have a world that thinks completely different than we do. We understand that. I mean, we're, we are the oddballs. To them, we are the cultists. 
And we're going to hear more of this. It's not going to be reserved to a thought. It's going to be uh, spoken and written about and talked about. It may be a news item at some point that that's who we are. But if if that's it, if I'm a cultist because I believe the Scripture, if I'm a cultist because I believe in the Second Coming or the Rapture, uh, then so be it. Uh, I can't help that, but I want to try to, in some way, sanely and rationally and, again, calmly explain what it is to be a Christian and what it means to believe in eschatology and what that is all about. So I think it's important that we all try to have enough understanding on these things that when it comes up in our conversation, uh, hopefully not at Thanksgiving with relatives we haven't seen in three years, but, you know, it could happen then, too. It could. But hopefully we'll be, yeah, it could and does. Yeah. But we can explain to them why we believe what we believe mm-hmm. and help them kind of allay their fears about, uh, gee, are we like those people that killed the, the, the policemen in Australia, if they've seen that story. It wasn't, um, it wasn't extremely broadcast here, but uh, when you read about it, you begin to understand Christians are being put in the crosshairs of a lot of targets today. Yeah, they absolutely are. And I I ran across an article about the uh, prime minister. I I believe he was prime minister in Australia from 2016 to 2020, so he is no longer there. But he called himself a Pentecostal. And the headline is, A Pentecostal Prime Minister in the Hands of Angry Secularists. Scott Morrison Undergoes an Inquisition. And there's a magazine in Australia um, edited by a popular writer and historian there, And uh, something about this uh, prime minister really got under his skin because he says um, this this popular writer, James Boyce, attempted an expose of Morrison, the prime minister. And he said Morrison belongs to a potentially dangerous, manipulative, heretical, demon obsessed and essentially cultish sect. And he's obligated to deliver a confession of faith to the parliament and the Australian people who must pronounce judgment on his political soul. Um, so this has been going on over there for a while. I don't know. Uh, I don't completely understand the climate, the anti-Christian climate over there. I'm guessing it's it's gone up quite a bit. But to actually take uh, um, an elected individual there and tear him apart and call him a heretic and a cultish, a cultist, um, it's not going to get any better over there specifically. Uh, correct. I don't think it's going to get any better over here no, either. True. I, you know, because anytime you you uh, begin to espouse your views, and you talk about biblical things, somebody out there doesn't like it, doesn't want to hear it. And right. I understand that. I get it. And many times, uh, Marion, you'll, you'll know, you'll say amen to this. A lot of times the people who oppose us as Christians, a lot of times they don't even know why they're saying what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They're reacting only to the fact that we're Christians or that we say we are because they don't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just want to shut that up. Now is the most important time for us to be articulate about giving out the gospel and explaining and expressing what we do. Uh, This is the time to do it. Uh, I believe we are in the perilous times that Paul talked to Timothy about in 2 Timothy 3. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's all around us. It's just not this one article. Politico, by the way, uh, said that there had to be something done about violent Christian extremists. That was a, a title. Those, oh. those are words from an article title. So it's it's it is all around us. It's just not in one place, and we should be aware of it so we're not taken unaware and 
you know, when we hear these things, we're kind of flabbergasted. We don't know what to say. We shut our mouths. We we uh, fall apart during the midst of a debate or an argument or a, a time of discussion, whatever word you want to use for that. Mm-hmm. And we we are the ones that are, that are that are supposed to be giving an answer about what we believe and what the scripture says. So yeah. it's important again that that we recognize the times we're in and recognize what we're to do in the midst of some maybe very uncomfortable times. Yes. And this is where social media to me is a real mixed and I don't even know if I want to say blessing or not, but we can we have that opportunity to share the gospel, to explain prophecy to people, etc. But there's also the the backhanded side of it that that causes people to spread rumors and lies about Christianity and Christians and it can go around the world in sixty seconds or less. Oh so, it sure can right social and, media. And yep. People yeah, the people who are off the deep end the wrong way and may have part of the story correct, but then mm. you know make statements uh, such as this uh, this police official in Australia that we've been talking about. Uh, it just shows where we're at today, and we're at, we're in a time where uh, every opinion out there brings to brings us brings a lot of people into the place where they can't make an opinion. They, they're confused about it. We should never be confused about something the Scripture speaks about, regardless of how um, out of kilter or off the wall anybody that claims to be us is. And uh, there are people out there that I, I would not want to align with in any way who would call themselves evangelicals. And I'm an evangelical, but um, when I define what that means, it wouldn't be defined the same way by someone who is a radical or is an extremist. And there are those out there. I mean, they they make uh, us who believe these things into the next Jim Jones. Uh, people like, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Harold Camping didn't do us any favors <laughs> no, at all. And no. there are some out there that are brewing today that are going to become those kind of, uh, those kind of voices. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's just like saying, well, all Americans, uh, must love to eat corn. When you begin to make that kind of statement, you go, wait a minute, where are they getting that from? Well, it's just because they want to make it appear that that's a truth. Right. And it's not. Right. Uh, the darker the day, by the way, and this, this is an important thought for you. The darker the day, the more the light stands out. Mm-hmm. And we're we're in a dark time. And when we when we sacrifice our anonymity and decide to speak what the truth is as we see it from Scripture, uh, we're going to become targets in the process. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be. You know, apologetics probably wasn't the deal I would have picked to get into. <laughs> right. But it's what God called me to do. And I'm a very positive person mm-hmm. who God has called to talk about negative things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm positive because I know what the scripture says, and it's the only hope we have. Uh, not uh, not a sermon about, um, you know, the five different things you can do this week to uh, be a nice person. <laughs> All that's fine and well, but does that really encourage anyone to explore that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sins? Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of when I step out and I point this out, well, I become the bad guy, and I'm willing to do that. Right. I don't want to, but I'm willing to do that. When I say I don't want to, I don't want to be um, lambasted by somebody. I don't want to be lampooned by the the culture and society. Right. Uh, I've had it. I sent an, an editorial to USA Today many years ago. They asked me to write on something, and they changed the words in my editorial, and there was never a retraction. Hmm. <laughs> so that's 
the world the world wants to think that it knows what we believe and if we don't say exactly what they want us to then they want to change the words to make it sound like it <laughs> well think about and ai so that's oh absolutely AI. they want to rewrite the bible like my voice yeah yep exactly yeah. yep Oh, if you want to see who the extremists are, folks, just research the World Economic Forum, mm-hmm. and you'll find out who the real extremists are, and they're very open about it, and yet they call us extremists. Right, right. Well, Jesus said, the world hated me, the world's going to hate you, and so that's pretty straightforward. That's pretty clear that well, we should expect I these know. things. Yeah. Yep, and, and the people say, well, I didn't sign up for that. Well, <laughs> then you should have been exploring a little more in the Scriptures because, right. yes, indeed, we did sign up for it. When we when we said yes to Jesus Christ, right. we signed up to be a representative of the kingdom of God. Oh, well, heavy stuff, right? But, you know, like you said, you can be positive. Jesus is coming, and he's going to usher in a righteous kingdom. And we have been waiting for this. We can't stand the unrighteousness of this world. It rubs us the wrong way because we know that God is the one who um, is the author of righteousness. We know that it comes from him. And so we are anxious to see the culmination of all things, and that's the good news. Um, I want to talk real briefly about this uh, Canadian pastor. I remember during COVID, um, the the uh, Canadian authorities were coming into his church and saying, you have to shut down, you have to do this, and he said, get out. Just get out. You know, you have no business being here, um, and we're going to do what we do. Well, he's been on um, Canadians' radar for a very long time, Pastor Arthur Pulowski. Um Well, his son, the headline here says, and this is from July 16th, actually, so this is just a couple days old, son of Canadian pastor facing prison for sermon, blasts Trudeau before EU Parliament and draws standing ovation. Now, this this... This kind of makes me feel happy a little bit. I got I admit that. And the article says the son of a Canadian pastor drew raucous applause from the European Parliament earlier this month when he pleaded for international pressure in the case of his father, who potentially faces 10 years in prison for delivering a sermon to truckers blocking the U.S.-Canada border last year. He said, I'm here today in desperation. A cry for help, Nathaniel Pulowski 23 years old, told members of the EU Parliament on July 4th. I'd like to stand here and tell you all the things about freedom and democracy that I like, but I no longer know these things. They've been taken away from us Canadians because Canada has fallen. He he was invited to address the EU Parliament in Brussels, which is great. Um, his, His dad has been continuously entangled with authorities in Calgary since he ejected police and public officials from his church as they attempted to inspect it. And uh, his dad, Arthur, uh, pl- um, tweeted after hearing uh, the speech. He says, powerful. Um, Pastor Pulowski's speech at the European Parliament via video and Nathaniel Pulowski's speech in person in Brussels, Belgium, uh, testifying about persecution happening in Canada. So he's been arrested many times. Uh, he was found guilty in May of mischief and breaching a release order when he uh, delivered a speech to the truckers. And um, anyway, um, his son says, we no longer have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, or the right to protest or assemble or associate or express ourselves or disagree with the government, he told the EU. Anyone who does so is arrested, charged, and jailed as political dissidents. Um, and so people could watch that. I guess I would love to see that. He himself has been slapped with some charges. But one of the MEPs, and I love this, one of the MEPs under Trudeau, uh, says he tweeted this Prime Minister Trudeau in recent months under your quasi liberal boot 
Canada has become a symbol of civil rights violations. The methods we have witnessed may be liberal to you, but to many citizens around the world, it seems like a dictatorship of the worst kind. And that's an MEP who works for Trudeau. So what can we say about our neighbors up north? Um, That's a little too close for comfort, if you ask me, Eric. Listen, I, I traveled in Canada a lot. In the 1990s, I spent more time speaking up there than I did down here and have uh, still have some great relationships and friendships and mm-hmm. go up there uh, occasionally now, too. Uh, I can tell you that there are a lot of Canadians very disturbed about this. Uh, I think we have to understand that, that uh, Canada has elected a communist, and we go from there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his dad was a communist, and he's a communist, mm-hmm. uh, the current leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a prerogative he can he can take if he mm-hmm. wants to. Uh, but we also should have the prerogative to be able to express ourselves and explain, especially to meet together as Christians. Um, I, I personally know some churches that did the same thing that that uh, what happened to the church, and I think that church is in Edmonton, I believe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, we're talking about. Yep. Um, you know, I know churches here in the states that did the same thing. Says we're not going to shut our doors. Uh, mm-hmm. We're called to meet together. We're going to do it sanely and carefully, but we're going to meet together. Now, you can have an opinion about whether you think that's a good idea or not, but I can tell you now, pastors who took their chances back then, uh, I know three of them personally, and I mean, when I talk about this, these are our friends that I've, I've, I've discussed this with again and again. What has happened to their church now is it's exploded. One church is having to build a new building because they can't, <laughs> they can't handle doing three and four services um, um, uh, every Sunday because a lot of Christians realized that they were they were in a church that really wasn't preaching what they needed to hear or what the Word of God said, and they realized that. But when the church shut its doors because they listened to what the government said to do in a case like this, and it looked like that the governor of different states or uh, provinces, if you will, the premiers up there, uh, were in charge a lot of Christians said, enough is enough. We're going to look for a church that has some guts and some fortitude. And I can tell you that I've seen that. I've seen God reward that with how many new people and how many souls have been won in the process of this, too. So even when it looks like all is lost, or at least for a, a, a temporary or for a time, it looks lost. It's not all lost. God has a way to redeem this, and mm-hmm. I've seen it happen. Wow, yeah, absolutely. God is still on the throne, and he none of this surprises him, and he's not wringing his hands, is what I like to say. Here's another uh, quick article. Bible College fires theologian for tweet against homosexuality, threatens to report him as a terrorist. This is in the U.K. A Methodist Bible College in the U.K. fired a Christian theologian and threatened to report him as a terrorist because of his tweets in opposition to homosexuality, his tr- attorneys claimed. Uh, is Dr. Aaron Edwards. He teaches theology at Cliff College in Derbyshire, England. And here's his tweet. Homosexuality is invading the church. Evangelicals no longer see the severity of this because they're busy apologizing for their apparently barbaric homophobia, whether or not that's true. He says, it is a gospel issue, by the way. If sin is no longer sin, we no longer need a savior. Well, that's profound. It shouldn't be, but um, it is profound, and I, th- I think that was an excellent way um, to defend his position. But it's just happening all over, uh, including in the U.K., Eric. And it, it shouldn't shock us. No. Uh, that's, a, that's a hot button, one of maybe 
maybe one of the two or three greatest hot buttons today. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, let's face it, that's going to be that's going to happen if we speak up about what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. If you call sin sin, you might be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, that's that's been one of the marks. I have a an old message I I took many years ago, and I I think I've got three different versions in different eras of my ministry of this particular message, and we've we've offered it in these different forms. Uh, the newest one I think is the best one, and that's the only one we offer now. But it's called the most dangerous cult, and that would be anybody who claims to be a Christian but doesn't believe the gospel. You're you're involved in the most dangerous cult. More dangerous than any of the other known cults, and you could name them all. More dangerous than secular humanism, because this is these are people who claim to be us, and they're not representing the gospel in a way that it matches what the scripture says. It all does come back to the Bible, Mary. It's mm-hmm. a this is all these issues are really when you get down to it, they are all representative of a battle for the Bible. That's what it comes down to. That's the bottom line. That's since the very beginning, Satan didn't want God's Word to go forward. I mean, he mocks at it in uh, Genesis chapter 3, half God said, the famous words. And so this is, uh, it shouldn't shock us that now as we get toward the end of the uh, of the age, end of the church age, that we're seeing this ramping up of anybody uh, yeah, against anyone who speaks out about what truth is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you may be a terrorist if you call out sin yeah. of any kind, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this is Stand Up for the Truth. You're listening to Eric Barger. We're talking about marginalizing Christians and calling them extremist terrorists, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, and I want to give you a chance to wrap up. I just want to mention one more article here that I thought was really disturbing from May 25th. University program linking Christians and Republicans to Nazis granted DHS funds under anti-terror initiative. So we're going to fight terror by calling Christians and Republicans Nazis. So the Biden administration is doling out taxpayer money through an anti-terrorism grant initiative to a university program that has explicitly lumped the Republican Party as well as Christian and conservative groups into the same category as Nazis, according to documents shared with Fox News Digitals. The Media Research Center, a conservative watchdog group, obtained documents through Freedom of Information Act showing a Department of Homeland Security program meant to fight terrorism is funding a group whose work has explicitly targeted the American political right. And he has, he has uh, released a pyramid here. Uh, it's not the food pyramid. This is the Nazi or white supremacist <laughs> pyramid. And on the bottom of the pyramid is CBN, the John Birch Society, the Heritage Foundation, the Republican Party, and then it goes up a little bit to PragerU and uh, Breitbart and a few other. And by the time you get to the top, it just has uh, neo-Nazi symbolism, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just amazing to me that this there's a terrorism task force um, engaged in this effort to demonize and eliminate Christian, conservative, and Republican organizations using federal tax dollars. In other words, people are getting grants to do this. And when you see Fox down there and CBN, you just think, okay, these people are completely out of control. Um, some people are getting a million dollars to do this. So <laughs> what do you make of all that? I mean, that the Depart- Department of Homeland Security, uh, what's up with that? Well, it's a political battlefield. Yeah. And uh, if they can gain advantage by making others look bad, if they find a bad apple, uh, then they're going to expose it, and then we're all part of it. We've all done that. We're all, you know, we're all lumped together. And uh, that's, that is the danger in, in, uh, 
calling premillennialist extremists. That <laughs> that goes back to that. Yeah, but well. that's uh, that's the danger of it. Um, and and you know, I think we should just understand this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the way we're going to be pictured. This is the way we're going to be painted. Uh, we didn't do this, but uh, we do. We are obligated, I believe, to to be able to move forward and not let this slow us down. There are people out there dying and going to hell as we talk. Right. And so there, there should be, um, we should have our minds on that, on how can we help those who don't know Christ to find mm-hmm. him. That's the key. Yeah. yeah, we just have a few minutes left, Eric, and I really want to give you a chance to tell people what they can do, how how to shore up their discernment, how to just um, you know be found uh, strengthened in the Lord during this particular season. How can you help us uh, close this out today? Well, anytime you talk about things like this, it seems like they're out of our hands. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's important to have a little checklist. So uh, we've said some of these things already, but I'll just go through them. Okay. Uh, first, stay with the scriptures, mm-hmm. above all. If you let the Bible do your talking and let God do the talking, uh, we're always better off than if we try to just do it ourselves mm-hmm. without citing where we see it in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, be extreme in love and mercy. And uh, we should be extreme about some things in love and mercy and kindness and uh, and yet truth. Uh, anytime we think that we're doing anybody a favor by not telling them the truth, if I dumb down what the, what the truth is to a cultist at my door and I decide just to let him go on his way without challenging what he believes, if I believe it's a lie because of what scripture says, then I've done him a total disservice. Uh, and so we need to be able to do the right thing mm-hmm. and be extreme in love. Um, be ready to give biblical answers. I already said that first three, First Peter 3.15, uh, pray that God prepares the way. Uh, if you have a time when you're going to be able to speak about these things, the Holy Spirit will, will fill your mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes I do the, the preparation work. I put together a new message. I work hard on it hour after hour. And I'm, with the slides I use, I work a lot extra hours that uh, many, many others don't because they don't have the visuals that I use. And God could stop all that. He could, right before you're going to speak the message, he could change your message, but he blesses the preparation. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Mm-hmm. And um, next would be uh, prepare to be tempted uh, just to back off and be quiet. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it's not as not as threatening. It's it's hard. And, uh, it, you know, good work is usually hard. To accomplish good things takes effort. Yes. Uh, don't be guilty of thinking that our actions are going to hold back or, or either hasten, either mm-hmm. one, the end times. God is going to allow everything that he predicted in the Word to take place to the smallest detail. Mm-hmm. And we, we're, we're not players in deciding when that takes place, or our actions don't decide when or if they do take yeah. place. we got less than a minute, uh, Eric, so I want to let you know we have okay. less than a minute. That's great. Just remember you're in the end of the end times, the perilous times. And uh, it's a time to be expectant of his coming and have joy in the process of it. That's the most important thing. Thank you so much, Eric. We really, really appreciate you taking time. I know how busy you are. Uh, You have so many irons in the fire, and uh, your website is under construction, right? And so it will be a little bit before they can visit that again? Well, the website is up, but uh, the the bookstore is not up. Okay. That's the only thing missing right at the moment. A lot of the articles, it's an old-looking site, but it works good. Okay. com. Thank you so much, Eric. We need to do this again. We could have gone a lot longer. So God bless you in your ministry. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. All right. 
Tomorrow, a special repeat broadcast from January 2019 with former host Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo. And I'm going to listen to this one for sure. The, um, the, the, read, the blog post itself reads, 2019 will bring powerful and unique challenges and opportunities for the Christian church in America. Satan's battle against the church will intensify as he acquires more and more allies to join him in his plan to neutralize the church by making it look more like the secular culture that it is supposed to resist and oppose. We start this new year looking at the prophetic signs of 2018 that might be pointing to the return of the Lord soon. So listen to that tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a huge blessing. Um, that's it for today. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.